We ask God to make his way before us plain. Part of the way he does that is by giving us his law and aspects of his word that teach that law to us. This morning, we're going to explain the ninth commandment of that law. And to do that, we're going to read a few verses from the book of Proverbs and then read an explanation of the ninth commandment given by the Heidelberg Catechism. So first, a number of verses from the book of Proverbs. Let's begin in Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, we'll read verses 12 through 19. Proverbs 6, verse 12, A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually, he soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren." Turn a few chapters later to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18. We'll just read one verse, verse 8. Proverbs 18, verse 8. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. And now turn to Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26, verse 20. Proverbs 26, verse 20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. On the basis of those passages and many others, the Heidelberg Catechism explains the ninth commandment to us. In Lord's Day 43, if you take out your Psalters and turn to page 24 in the back of that Psalter, you'll find the Heidelberg Catechism's explanation of that. I'll ask the question and you respond. Lord's Day 43, what is required in the ninth commandment that I bear false witness against no man nor falsify any man's words that I be no backbiter nor slanderer that I do not judge nor join in condemning any man rashly or unheard but that I avoid all sorts of lies and deceit as the proper works of the devil, unless I would bring down upon me the heavy wrath of God. 
Likewise, that in judgment and all other dealings, I love the truth, speak it uprightly, and confess it. Also, that I defend and promote as much as I am able the honor and good character of my neighbor. Beloved congregation, the law of Jehovah God, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, has two sections or two tables. The first of those sections, commands one through four, teach us how to direct our love and gratitude directly to Jehovah God in our life. The second of those parts or tables, commands five through ten, teach us how to show our love to God through showing love to our neighbor. In the fifth commandment, the first of that second table, in the fifth commandment we are called to love the neighbor by preserving the authority God has given to him if God has given him authority by our own obedience to that authority. Honor your father and your mother. In the sixth commandment, we are called to love our neighbor by preserving his person. Thou shalt not kill. In the seventh commandment, we are led to love our neighbor by preserving his purity. Thou shalt not commit adultery. In the eighth commandment, we are led to love our neighbor by preserving his property. Thou shalt not steal. And here now in the ninth commandment, we are led to love our neighbor by preserving his reputation. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Or in the words of the Proverbs that we read this morning, thou shalt not bear a tale, be a tale bearer, one who carries a tale and spreads it around to everybody. Being a tale bearer is one of those respectable sins. It's not one of the sins that we think about very often. The ones that we easily dismiss in ourselves or in others. And yet, it is one of the Ten Commandments. And it is a sin that produces much damage in relationships and in the church. It's a sin that leaves a lot of pain in its wake. It's one of the things that tempts some people to be bitter against the church. Who has not been hurt by slander or gossip about oneself in the life of the church? Probably all of us could say we have to some degree or another. It creates a wildfire sometimes. That's what James says in James 3, verse 6. The tongue is a fire, and it setteth a fi on fire the course of nature. It can create a wildfire of rumors spreading, gossip spreading from one person to another. This opinion or that thing about someone. 
And people don't take the time to figure out if it's true or not. And like a wildfire, it spreads, and other pieces of information that had nothing to do with it in the first place get added onto it, and it injures someone's reputation. There are, of course, many things that a person can do to ruin his own reputation. And if a person acts foolishly or acts sinfully, he can't go around blaming everybody else for the fact that his reputation has been ruined. He's ruined his own reputation by his foolish or sinful living. Nonetheless, in the church, I ought to be able to trust my brothers and sisters that they love me and will show love to me by preserving my reputation as much as they are able, that they will defend and promote, in the words of the Catechism, as much as they are able, the honor and good character of me, their neighbor. But how we all fail at this to one degree or another, and let our tongues loose and begin to gossip about this or that. And even those who have been hurt by gossip, tale-bearing, have to admit that we've also hurt others by this. When I asked that question a moment ago, who has not been hurt by gossip or tale-bearing in the life of the church? Even if you said me, I've been hurt by that. I dare say you probably have also hurt somebody else. This is a sin that all of us have committed in one degree or another. And because it's so prevalent, it's going to be the focus of the sermon this morning. Tail-bearing, slander, backbiting, gossip. Does it help to know that it's a sin that God hates. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. We may not brush this off as just a light thing, something that everybody does at some point in their life, but we must face it as disobedience against the law of Jehovah God, and by grace seek forgiveness and strength to fight against it. The remedy for tail-bearing is the theme of the sermon this morning. The remedy for tail-bearing. Let's notice that sin. Second, the remedy for it. And then the result of the remedy. The remedy for tail-bearing. The sin, the remedy, and the result. The striking thing about the book of Proverbs is that 60 times... It speaks to sins of the tongue. And out of those 60 times, many of those occasions are specifically focused on this sin of the tongue. Tail-bearing, bearing a tale of gossip or slander. The book of Proverbs uses two different Hebrew words that are translated tail-bearing. They mean similar things, but there is a shade of difference between these two Hebrew words. The first is the word that lies behind Proverbs 11, verse 13, which we did not read this morning. A tail-bearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. A tail-bearer there is literally the Hebrew word 
It's one who walks around, but walks around in order to tell other people gossip or slander. The New Testament captures the idea of that word in 1 Timothy 5, verse 13. And with all, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. That's the idea of this word, walking around from house to house, speaking things that ought not be spoken about other people, gossiping and slandering them, letting their tongue loose. That's the first Hebrew word translated talebearer in the book of Proverbs. The second is in Proverbs 26, verse 20, which we did read, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. Literally, so where there is no whisperer, the strife ceaseth. And that word brings out the fact that the person who is bearing a tale, gossiping, slandering, knows that they ought not be doing this. And so they kind of whisper it. They look around and they know what they're doing and they know that they ought not be doing it. But yet they walk around and bear these tales, gossiping and slandering somebody else. Heidelberg Catechism takes up these words and this idea of tail-bearing when it explains the ninth commandment and condemns it by the use of the words slander and backbiting. It says the ninth commandment forbids slander and backbiting. Slander is specifically walking around and bearing a tale that is false. It's not even true about somebody. Or maybe it's partly true, but you've kind of twisted some things and shaded some things so that, yeah, it's, it's grounded on some facts, but you've manipulated it in such a way that it doesn't really say what the facts actually say. Or perhaps you've stated some of the facts as facts. You haven't outright lied, but there's a whole other set of facts too, and you conveniently left those out because those facts would have changed the whole idea of things, and you wanted to leave this impression that this particular set of facts about the situation would leave. It's slander. It's declaring what's false. Or maybe even it's something that you thought was true. I didn't know it was false. But you, did you do due diligence to find out? Well, I got it on Facebook. Of course it has to be true. Or I read it on a blog. or Somebody told me it has to be true. And then we fall guilty to what the Heidelberg Catechism says when it explains this commandment, that we judge someone rashly or unheard. We've made a conclusion about someone rashly. We haven't taken the time to find out. Or unheard. We haven't gone back to that person and asked them if this is really true. Or done due diligence to find out. We haven't heard their side of the story. This is slander. But in the end, it doesn't even matter if the rumor is true or if it's not. Or if it's 
not, or if it is true. If it ought not be spoken, it ought not be spoken. And that's what backbiting speaks to. Backbiting is saying something even if it's true, but it ought not be said. It ought not be spread around. Perhaps it's not for public consumption. Or it's not necessary to be spoken out of love for the neighbor or love for the church. Even if it is true. Both of these, slander and backbiting, have this in common. They are walking around and they are whispering and telling bearing tales, whether true or not, that ought not to have been told. That were better off left unsaid. And if left unsaid, would have prevented damage to the reputation of the neighbor, damage that should not have been given to that neighbor's reputation. Sometimes, of course, there are tales that must be told for the sake of love for the neighbor, love for the church, love for God. There are things that have to be reported sometimes. There are sins that have to be spoken, reported to the consistory, perhaps after going the way of Matthew 18. Or sins that by their very nature have to be reported. There are things that for the protection of this neighbor and out of love for this neighbor, I have to say something, even if it does damage to the reputation of this neighbor for the protection of the church. Sometimes something has to be said about another. Perhaps, for example, when there's approbation of office bearers and something has to be brought to the consistory. So there are times when saying something is appropriate, and it's not breaking this ninth commandment. It's not t- the sin of tail-bearing, which is why the Heidelberg Catechism, when it explains this ninth commandment, says that I am to preserve the honor and good character of my neighbor as much as I am able. Sometimes I am not able to preserve it. And in fact, I may not preserve it. But those times... Out of all the times that we speak about things that ought not to be spoken are probably quite few. More often than not, things that we say and spread around don't need to be said are gossip, slander, and backbiting. And the question we ought to ask ourselves is this, am I loving the neighbor? Is that what's motivating me by saying this? Is this love for the neighbor, love for the church, and love for God that drives me to say this? Does it need to be said? And when it's times that it does not need to be said, and yet we still say it, it is destructive. The sin of tail-bearing is a terribly destructive sin. Of course it is. Because words are powerful. The ability to communicate is an astounding power that God has created. It's a power that he has created that is given to function in service of fellowship with God and fellowship 
with each other. Words that allow someone to express what is in their mind and heart and soul to another. And that person to do the same to me. It has a binding power. It unites. It creates fellowship. It does the same with Jehovah God. God speaks to us and we respond to Him with words. It's a power to unite us. Look at Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall. What was their fellowship with God? They walked and talked with God in the cool of the evening. It was words that bound God to them and them to God in their experience. But the sin of tail-bearing uses this good gift of words to do the opposite. Not to create fellowship and unity, but to create division, to break off fellowship, to create separation, even if people don't intend to do that by committing this sin of tail-bearing. In the book of Proverbs, we find specific ways that tail-bearing, backbiting, slander, destroy fellowship between the people of God for specific ways. First, the book of Proverbs tells us that this sin destroys fellowship between the people of God by ruining even the closest friendships of the one who is doing the tail-bearing. Proverbs 11, verse 13, A tail-bearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. This is an antithetical parallelism in Hebrew poetry. The first statement is antithetical, opposite of the second statement. A tail-bearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit, that's the opposite of a tail-bearer. A faithful spirit does this, he conceals the matter. He knows that someone has taken him into his confidence. And when that person has done that, he's done that trusting that this person will know what to do with that. That they will preserve him. That they will love him. And be a faithful spirit. And then when that person is not, but goes and gossips it around others, he's a talebearer and an unfaithful spirit. And damages the friendship and destroys fellowship so that that person moves away from me, does not come close to me anymore. Proverbs 20, verse 19, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore meddle not with him that opens his lips. The scriptural advice is that you don't be a close friend of someone who is a talebearer, a gossip, backbiter, or slanderer. Meddle not with him that opens his lips, spreads around, betraying the confidence of a friendship. There are people who don't have a lot of close fellowship, close friendship. There might be other reasons for that. There might be sins of others against you for that. But it's worth thinking also about this and examining oneself. Am I a talebearer? Do I gossip and betray the confidence of those who are around me? Then I ought to repent of that and seek the grace of Christ and grow out of His grace. So that's first 
How does tail-bearing destroy fellowship? It separates me, the tail-bearer, from even my closest friends. Second, tail-bearing separates other people's friendships. If I'm the tail-bearer, it separates their friendships, even if I'm not a part of their friendships. Proverbs 16, 27, and 28, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. This is a description of the tailbearer. He's always digging around to find something juicy, something evil that he can know and spread around to somebody else. And then when he finds it, walks around whispering about it to this person, to that person, easing the conscience, no doubt, by saying, but don't tell anybody that I told you this which everybody knows never works because that person's always going to tell at least one other person and say the same thing. And on and on it's going to go. And the whispering sows strife. And people talk and talk and talk. And then over there, there's a friendship. And this person, about whom the tail-bearing is concerned, is starting to see people pull away from them and they have no idea why. And maybe they never find out that people pull away. It's separated, very friends. Third, this sin, perhaps more than any other, can damage the fellowship of a whole church Proverbs 6.19 that we read in that list of things that the Lord hates, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Sows discord among a whole group of brethren. By sins of the tongue, these sins of the tongue, gossip, backbiting, tail-bearing, slander. We sow discord. We plant discord among brethren in a congregation. If there's a sin, likely that sin has to go the way of Matthew 18. But instead, somebody tells somebody else about it. And that person tells somebody else. And they tell another. And and it gets out. And now there's other things added to it. And the whole thing creates a division in the church. This person's on this side of the issue. And that person's on that side. And it gets spread. And there's two sides formed. And nobody even knows what really happened. There's all kinds of rumors floating around And how much of it could have been prevented if we obeyed the ninth commandment and did not bear tales, slander, gossip. How sad if it's true. As has sometimes been said, that there are few places more quickly rumors can be spread than in a congregation, a church. Prevent it, beloved. Prevent it. Only you can prevent forest fires. The forest fires of the spread of gossip and slander. Proverbs 26, verse 20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. Where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. Just like a raging wildfire moves from one dry pine tree to the next, to the next, to the next, and it doesn't go out. 
unless they chop a row of trees down and, and dig out a ditch so that there's no more wood to burn. There's the line where it's going to go out. So too, unless we say, I'm not going to be a, a dry piece of pine and carry on this fire and move it to another dry piece of pine. I'm not going to bear this tale. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to say to the person, go back to the one who told you. Tell them to go back to the person himself. Or go the right way with this. The way of Matthew 18. Only then does the church remain united in brotherly love and care. Does a, a group of friends remain united in brotherly love and care. We ought not start the gossip and the rumors and the slander, and if it comes to us, we ought to stop it. So it does this damage. It can separate me, the tailbearer, from even my closest friends. It can separate other friends in the congregation. It can divide a whole congregation against itself. Then fourth, it's a sin that can do those things for a long time and create deep, deep hurts and pains. Proverbs 26, verse 22. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. They can go deep because it's betrayal. Somebody told me this in confidence. I, I know this and I don't have to tell it. I don't have to report it. It's not of that nature. But I betray them and this betrayal hurts. It runs deep. It can be worked through in Jesus Christ and it ought to be worked through and it's not an excuse for saying I'm going to live in bitterness the rest of my life but it's a pain that can run deep. And then fifth, the sin of tailbearing is destructive to fellowship. Because by tailbearing, if I'm the tailbearer, I ruin my own reputation in the church and eventually I find myself socially on the edge of things in the midst of the body of Jesus Christ. I can think that I'm doing some damage to this person over here, and maybe I am, but I'm also doing damage to myself and my own reputation. Proverbs 25 9 and 10, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another. Don't uncover a secret to somebody else, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame and thine infamy turn not away. Don't spread the secret lest you get a reputation for infamy, for being a talebearer, and then nobody wants to talk to you or say anything to you. And your fellowship in the midst of a whole church is different. A destructive sin. A powerfully destructive sin. A devilish sin. The devil can never think of anything on his own. All he can do is take what God has created and twist it and he loves to do that. He loves to take the good creation of God and twist it so that it works for the very opposite purpose. God created words, good communication that exists for fellowship, 
with God and with each other, then the devil wants to take those words and use them to cause friction, to cause tension and division. That's what he loves. The sin has the devil's stink all over it. And also for this reason, because it's a sin that is rooted in pride and self-love. What is the motive, beloved? What is the motive of tail-bearing, gossip, slander, backbiting? It's always done sinfully to promote myself in an attempt to make myself something great in the mind of the one to whom I'm bearing this tale. Always that's the motive behind this sin. It seeks to do that one of two ways. Either by putting another person down by what I'm saying so that I look great in the eyes of this person and I want to get a place in the life of this person. I want to have a friendship with this person and so if I bear a tale with, about this person that they think highly of then that opens the way for me to come in and have a place in their life. Or by seeking a place in somebody's life or in the life of a group or in the life of a congregation by puffing myself up as the one who has all the information that you might want. Come to me. I'm the information desk. I'll tell you what you want to know. And sometimes it's a combination of both. Like it was with the devil himself. When he bore a tale and slandered Jehovah God before Adam and Eve in the garden. The devil was a tale-bearer in the very beginning. The devil came to Adam and Eve and he slandered Jehovah God. Yea, hath God said, hath God said, Eve, that you may not eat of every tree of the garden? He hadn't said that. There was a touch of truth to it, of course. He had restricted them from eating of one tree, but he comes in and he twists the whole thing, adds more to it, because he wants to leave an impression. Has God said that you, you, you can't eat of these trees here? He's trying to make God look terrible. He's trying to tear God down so that he can lift himself up in the eyes of Eve. He's trying to make God look like a devil and himself look like God. God is evil. God is bad to you. You shouldn't trust him. He holds all these trees back from you. As he begins to whisper to Eve, and maybe she doesn't even realize it at first that that's what he's doing, but this is the point. He doesn't care about you. I do. As he wants to insert himself and create a place for himself in the life of Eve. And then he does the other part too, the second part. Eve, I'll tell you what's going to happen if you eat. What he said to you, you're not going to die. I'll tell you, I'm in the know. I have the secret information. I have the information from behind the scenes that you need to see. You're going to become as God 
knowing good and evil, and that's why he wants to hold this back from you. He's evil, but I, I have the I'm the information desk for you. If you want what you need, you come to me. I'll tell you. As the devil used tail-bearing to establish a place for himself in the life of Eve, to puff himself up in pride so that Eve looks at him as something that he's not, so that he has a place in the life of Eve that he ought not have. That's the way it is with us too. It comes out of that old man of sin that the devil sowed into humanity from the beginning and it's devilish. It's always rooted in pride. That's the way it is, you children. When you commit this sin, there's little Billy over there and, and he's good friends with Johnny. And so maybe you want to say something bad about Johnny so that he's not so much friends with him anymore and then you can be a better friend to him or something like that. Or you want to tell something about other people because you want everybody to know that you have all the knowledge and if they want knowledge, they must come to you and you will have a place now in their lives where they're all seeking you for the things that they want to know. And you know what, children? It's the same thing in the adults. It's an attempt to establish a place for oneself in the life of this person or of this group or of a whole congregation. That's the motive, always. It's the motive, and it's sinful, it's ugly, it's pride, which is why the only remedy for it is out of a deep humility to grow in love for others that seeks them above myself. Love for the brother and sister in Jesus Christ. Love for the neighbor and estimation of them that is higher than the estimation of myself. Philippians 2, 3 and 4, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. It's the love of Proverbs 10, verse 12. Hatred stirreth up strikes, but love covereth all sins. Love covereth the things that I would want to rumor about, that I would want to spread around about this person or that person, but I cover it, I shut my mouth. I don't have to tell it out of love for the neighbor. And so I cover it. I cover it because this is what love is. This is what love does. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Seeketh not her own. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. The cure is selfless love for the neighbor. Above love for myself. Second, the remedy for this sin is love for the church. And the welfare of the church above love for myself. The book of Ephesians is sometimes called the epistle of the church. Throughout the whole epistle, the Apostle Paul is concerned about the life of the church. Write doctrine about the church, how the church ought to live and function. And in chapter 4 of Ephesians, the Apostle is concerned with the unity of the church, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so at the end of the chapter, when he gets to sins of the tongue, 
He's talking about sins of the tongue in service to unity of the body of Jesus Christ. We forget that a lot of times about that part of Ephesians 4. Wherefore, putting away lying, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, forgiving one another. What kinds of sermons do you hear that text preached? Most often, it's in a marriage series or in a family series. And that's fine. It can be preached in that. But don't forget that the original point of its being written was for the sake of unity in the church. Wherefore, for the sake of the church's unity, put away these things. Do you love the church, beloved, the bride of Jesus Christ? Do you love her as the ship that carries you through the storm of this world? As God grows us in that love, we put her welfare above the desires of myself or a place in the life of this person or the the group of these people. Knowing that tail-bearing divides the church, separates friends, sows discord among the brethren, divides an arm from a leg so that the body of Christ is dismembered. Be careful. Be careful. And third, the remedy, love for the neighbor, love for the church, and the third, love for God himself above love for me. A love for God himself above me that recognizes his sovereignty over my life and is at peace with his sovereignty over my life and humbles myself to say what place he gives me in the life of this person or in the life of this group or the life of this congregation is the place that he gives me and I'm not going to go outside of the way of his law in order to gain a place for myself in the life of that person or the life of this group or the life of the whole congregation. He gives me a place. When I use sin, when I use the sin of tail-bearing, slander, gossip, in order to try to get a place in this person's life or this group's life, I'm attacking him and his sovereignty over my life. And I'm saying, you don't know what you're doing, God. I need to do this myself, my own way. And the remedy is seeing him in his sovereignty and knowing that he is good. And he'll give me the place that I need to have in the right way in his church. This love for the neighbor, this love for the church, and this love for God, beloved, is worked by God himself in the heart. When he regenerates, he plants this in the people of God. It's the life of Jesus Christ Himself that He puts into the people of God. The life that Christ Himself had. A life of love for the neighbor. A life of love for the church. And a life of love for God that was in Jesus Christ is planted in us and is grown by the Word of God in us. Think about that love of Jesus Christ. A love that was not turned back 
in spite of all the gossip and all the slander and all the tail-bearing and backbiting that was going on about him in the church. Gossip was flying around Jerusalem, Galilee, everywhere about him. You know this guy was an illegitimate child, right? And it was being spread around. Mary had him before she was ever with Joseph. And we learn from the gospel accounts there are rumors going around that he was a drunk. And that he was a glutton. There are rumors going around that he was demonic. That the way he was able to do all these miracles was because he had some connection to the underworld, to the, to the dark arts. And that's what gave him the power. He was on the devil's side and all this was flying around about him. And yet, he gave himself for the church while his reputation was being destroyed in love for God in love for the neighbor in love for the church he put his church first and he left his own reputation in the hands of God and with that life inside the children of God the apostle says let that mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus that you humble yourself you let God establish your place and position and you honor his law. And you treat each other in obedience to the ninth commandment. And who am I, beloved? And who are you? That this Christ should make himself of no reputation for me. And should give himself. Not only to that, but to the cruel cross and to the depths of hellish agony for my own sins against the ninth commandment. This is the remedy for committing these sins. When that remedy comes home to the people of God, then the result is that the children of God begin to pray and they begin to ask God things like this. Psalm 141 verse 3, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep thou the door of my lips. Set a, a sentry, set a guardsman at the door of my mouth, O God. So that when words come forth that would break the ninth commandment, they're sent back in. And that when words come forth that are love for the neighbor, that are right words, motivated rightly, that those would be allowed to come out. Set that watch at my mouth, Father. When this remedy comes home to the people of God, we start to cry out to God with Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. We start to cry out to God, God, tame this tongue because no man can tame it. Isn't that what James said? No man can tame the tongue. And the point of James there is not that the tongue cannot be tamed. It can be tamed, just not by any man. It can be tamed by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so we cry out, send thy Spirit of God so that through thy word my tongue is tamed, my heart is brought to humility and subservience to thy law. God answers these prayers of his people. And he grows us. He grows us in the discretion 
that requires biting the tongue. He grows us in the discipline of biting the tongue. Proverbs 11, verse 12, He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. In the multitude of words, Proverbs 10, verse 19, There wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. And we learn to bite it. Cut our tongues off. He answers these prayers. He reminds us by this power of the Spirit to go the way of Matthew 18 and not simply to start rumors about somebody or somebody else. He grows us so that we even have the humility that if I'm the one who's being gossiped about, then I don't take that as an opportunity to say, well, I've been gossiped about so I can go gossip about somebody else. And I'm going to retaliate this way or I'm going to seek vengeance upon this person by spreading something else but the humility of Jesus Christ who when reviled, reviled not again. And then he answers these prayers, beloved, by giving us a heart and a mind and faith that looks up and waits with bated breath for the life of heaven to come when all pride will be removed out of all of the children of God, when all love of self will be taken away when the tongue, that good instrument and words, that good gift will be used alone for the creation of fellowship and what a fellowship between God and Christ and each other. And then I come back down to the earth and I'm thankful for the taste of that that I have here and I do. I have that with my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I have that with my God, imperfect though it is, and I'm thankful for the taste of that that I have in spite of all the sin that's there too. And I'm thankful for what's coming. Is that in all of its fullness, no sin to mar it, world without end. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, bless the exposition of thy word to our hearts and grow us in obedience to the ninth commandment for thy glory and the good of thy church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.